Hello, friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. We are here with Angie Vertucci, and she's going to talk about different times that she has done some overcoming in her life and the lessons that she's learned from them. Hi, Angie. Thanks so much for coming. And if you don't know Angie, she's in, with Shine FM. I'm sure all of you know Angie. Uh, she's on Shine FM every morning, weekday mornings, mm-hmm. right? And so today she's going to tell us a little bit about her life story of overcoming and her lessons learned. Good morning. Well, hi. You know, this is weird being on this side of it. Yeah. It's um it's very interesting. So, we've we've talked a little bit about like this is a series on overcoming, right? Right. And I feel like my whole life has been a matter of overcoming. But you know what I've overcome is my choices. Ah. <laughs> and my choices haven't always been the best choices. And I think that we can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Um once I and I'll get to this, but once I finally uh, learned the lesson I was supposed to learn, then things changed. Mm-hmm. So right from the beginning, well, and it's not even the beginning, but let me pick it up. Um, I got out of, okay, in high school, I decided to be an exchange student. And I went oh. my senior year of high school to Peru. Wow. And I was there. I came back for graduation. And then all my friends were going to college, which I had no desire to do, but I'm a social person. So if my friends are going to community college, so am I. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so I signed up for community college and basically just goofed off. I really wasn't there for the right reasons. Right. And by the time May came around, my mother sat me down and said, <laughs> you're failing everything. Listen, I even got a B in Spanish and I was fluent. <laughs> Because you'd been Peru a year. Been, I just got <laughs> home from Peru. And, that's oh, so funny. Yeah, that's how much I applied myself, right? Uh, so my mom said, you're going to have to do something because I'm not supporting you anymore. Oh, you can go yeah. in the service because your father went was in the service, and you can go and check it out. So we went and talked to the Army recruiter, and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, linguistics. I love linguistics. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go in the army for linguistics. My mother said, before you sign anything, you are going to talk to the Marine recruiter because your father was a Marine. Oh, I wondered how you got there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was all about pleasing dad. And that's a big deal. Right. You know, Marines are pretty proud. Yeah. And so I talked to the Marine recruiter and he stood in my father's office and he did the whole, the whole spiel. And my dad was just on top of the world. And I said, I'm going in the Marines. Yeah. So I signed up for the Marines and it was supposed to be this long wait. And the guy said to me, and it was open contract, which is a four year. They can send you wherever they want. Okay. He calls me back in a couple, a couple weeks later. And he says, I have an opening next Monday, but you have to add a year and go in avionics. And I went, all right, I'll take it. So, Avionics, <laughs> li- linguistics. What? That's like not the same. No, I. it was just about going in the Marines. Not Like I said, not always the best choices, but I didn't know any and different. And you added a year. And I added a year, yes. Oh. I ended up going that next week. I um, 
was off and in the Marines. That was the end of August, and I got out for Thanksgiving. I was done. I graduated and came home. But anyway, in the Marines, um, nothing really changed with me. I was not, I mean, I wasn't a Christian. I was raised as a Catholic, and I was done with being a Catholic. I was done with church. Mm -hmm. And I was just doing whatever the heck I wanted to. Uh And I met a guy who told me all the most wonderful things. You know how they do. Right. Yes, all the things. Which, of course, I believed mm-hmm. all the things. Was he in the Marines as yes, well? Yes, he was in the Marines as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I ended up getting pregnant. And when I called my mother, she did not accept that whatsoever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and was very harsh. And... My sister was the same. My father wouldn't even talk to me. So that was a really rough time of kind of being alone. This was about, I think it was about September or October. It was a a couple of years in. It was, you know, I'd already been in the Marines for a while. And I was planning, or I was, I had just gotten stationed. I guess it was two years in. I had just gotten stationed at Woodby Island, Washington. I was in Memphis. I got pregnant in Memphis. So the... The, the man that you were seeing that said all the right things. Yes. How did he feel about the baby? He didn't know because I had left. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I had left. Th- that's another really big God story. <laughs> um, I had left and gone to Woodby Island. When I checked in, I found out that I was pregnant. And that's when I called back to my parents. Now, my parents are in New York, and I'm, I was in Washington State. So I was as far away right. from them as I could. And they really wanted me to get an abortion. And I just said no. So then they were done with me. They, they were completely done. They did not accept my choice, mm-hmm. and they were embarrassed, and they were done. And so they didn't talk to me. And when I talked to my sister, she was just really harsh to me and say, you're making the wrong choices, you're, you're doing stupid stuff, blah, blah, blah. And in my book, I'm like, I've done this. I'm in the Marines. I've got health insurance. I've right. got a steady job. Right. And so I'm doing it, you know, and I just didn't believe that way. Yeah. So it was about Thanksgiving. I, I met another guy who turned out to be still one of my best friends. Well, his family was um, recovering from alcoholism, all a bunch of the family members. And so uh-huh. they were really tight-knit, and they all knew how to talk. And so they just welcomed me right in and just loved on me when mm-hmm. nobody else would, right. right? My family wasn't. And I would sit down with his father and, and talk to him and say, I just don't understand why my father's acting this way, you know, et cetera. And my, and he suggested that I write a letter. So I wrote a letter to my dad. And after that, he called, my mom and dad called and we got back on track. And as a matter of fact, um, I was still in the Marines. And shortly after I had my son, Josh, I ended up getting orders overseas for six months. How do you do that with a baby? Well, Marines don't care whether you have a baby. (laughs) And so, um, I ended up taking my son at four months old to my sister in New York so that she could raise him for that eight months that I was going to be gone. When he's just a baby. And he was just a baby. And I got him when he was, I got him back when he was 13 months old. So he didn't, he would look at the picture and say, that's mama, but he didn't recognize that I was mama. But, you know, he was so small. He doesn't remember any of that. Right. You know, and so it's fine. He difficult. So when I... When I got him back from my sister, and actually she had said, you know, don't take him. And he, she even joked about it when I was home the last time. She's like, you should have just left him with me. But I'm like, he's my son, you know. Anyway, 
at that time I was stationed in California. It was a little bit harder. Cost of living was really high and it was a little bit harder, but um, I was determined to be, you know, a single mom. Yeah. And then I met my husband, also a Marine. Okay. <laughs> Just to clarify. Okay. I was surrounded by Marines. Um, I met him through some mutual friends and we hit it off. And then um, I thought, this is the guy. This is the guy for me, right? Yeah. The one that I'm going to marry. I knew that like right away. I just knew it. Uh-huh. And it was a few months in and he said, I just got orders to Japan for a year. And I was like, no, like we're just getting this relationship started. Right. And he's like, well, he jokingly said, well, maybe I can get you knocked up before I go, which is literally what he said. <laughs> and I said, no, been there, done I'm that. <laughs> I know. We were Marines, remember? We had a different way of talking. And he goes, I said, you're going to have to marry me first. And he goes, done. That was it. That was, that was the proposal. It's kind of romantic in its <laughs> no, own way. No, it's not in any <laughs> He's any taking way. you to Japan. <laughs> no, he didn't take me to Japan. Oh. It's an unaccompanied tour. So oh, it means okay. I stayed back. But we were married. Okay. We got married very quickly. We were about three months in. and. Yeah. And honestly, I was okay with that because I knew he was the one that right. I was supposed to marry. Anyway, um, <laughs> we got out of the service and we moved to Colorado and lived there for nine years. And then we moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming and lived there for a few more. Uh-huh. And then, um, you know, what had happened was he left on a Tuesday to go to Japan. The Sunday before, um, no, it wasn't the Sunday before. Okay. Okay. That, we got married May 26th. It was Mother's Day before. Uh-huh. We met with, it turns out that my boss in the Marines, her husband was a pastor. Uh-huh. And he met with us on Mother's Day and agreed to marry oh, us. Oh, my golly. Right? He <laughs> on agreed Mother's on Day. On Mother's Day. And he agreed to marry us, but he wanted to talk with us. You know how pastors are. Anyway, he ended up marrying us on the 26th. And then um, we took a little bit of a, a vacation, you know, honeymoon, vacation, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, when Phil left at the end of June, he left on a Tuesday, we had both decided that we were going to go back to church, but we didn't know what that looked like. Right. He was raised a Lutheran. I was raised a Catholic. Neither one of us wanted to be whatever that meant. Right. Right. So so what happened was I had this friend. She was this very petite very outspoken woman. I love her to pieces, even to this day. Her name was Carla. And she used to look at me and say, you need to clean up your mouth. Because I, I talked like a Marine, right? Yeah. And she would just hit me with the stuff all the time. Uh-huh. And I knew she went to church. She talked about God all the time. She just exuded God, right? Uh-huh. Well, I saw her Wednesday after uh-huh. Phil had left. And she was walking down the long aisleway to go to the out to go to the back door, and I'm watching her walk. And as soon as that door opened, I was like, I go, Carla! And as soon as it slammed, I thought, that's it. She didn't hear me. And then she opened the door back up. And I ran down there, and I I took her outside on the steps, and I said, and I like whispered to her, Carla, (laughs) do you still go to church? (laughs) She goes, yeah. And I go, can I go with you next time? And she was like, praise Jesus! (laughs) 
I mean, just, she just <laughs> went awesome. nuts and That's prayed for me. Awesome. So, so that Wednesday it. night, I went to church with her. And of course, I was walking down the aisle before I even knew what hit me. I was going and making a commitment. And I didn't know what it meant, you know, right. but I did it a couple times because yes. as a Catholic, you got to do it, you know, till you're done. <laughs> so <laughs> I did it a few times. But at the same time, my husband started going to church in Japan. Oh, yeah? And so we started growing in the Lord, but separate. Mm-hmm. And then he came back on leave in the following February and we got baptized together along with my best friend who introduced us. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And it was really cool because when I started explaining to her how I have this newfound faith, she grew up in church uh-huh. and she started telling me Bible stories. I was like, how do you know all this stuff? <laughs> and she goes, I, w- I grew up in church. And so it sparked her faith too. So the three of us got baptized together. That's so awesome. Yeah. So... All right, I'm going to skip ahead. We had many years together. We were together for 11 years total. Um, the marriage did start to fall apart. And the thing that happened was that we got away from our accountability. Mm. And and then there were some not so nice people that were in our circle that just didn't help. Right. So the people that we trusted were not around. And so the marriage fell apart. But the people that we were surrounded who... Really, I'm I'm not sure what their motivations were, but it was just not of God. Because I went off to work one day, and when I came home, my house was cleaned out. My kids were gone. Oh my All God. the laundry was gone. The furniture was there, but literally everything was gone. He had moved out. My children? My children. Because I went over to pick them up from the babysitter, and they said, oh, Phil came and got them like at 10 o'clock this morning. And I said, oh, maybe he got off early. But no, he took them. So you did not. I had no idea. You knew there were troubles, but you did not see this coming. I did not see it coming. Um, Wow. I mean, he said a few things and I was, I don't know if I just didn't believe him or I don't know. I don't know. But I came home to an empty house. Oh my golly. And he had cleaned out the bank accounts. So I literally had no money. I started selling off furniture um, just to make ends meet because I got paid once a month. Right. Um, And I had no, no money. And so he ended up going from Cheyenne back to Ohio because that's where he came from. So that's how I ended up in In Ohio. Ohio. (laughs) After three and a half months, because I had to sell the house, um, that's the only way I could afford to move. At the same time, this was in August, then 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. So I was away from my kids when the world fell apart. Yeah. And that was horrible. So, so let me go, I'm trying to wrap my head around I know, I know. Because I can't imagine, it's not like you were in a horrible, hateful relationship. You knew you were having problems. Why would he take the children and leave without telling because you? Because the people that were in our group, oh. that's what they told him. They said, you need to teach her a lesson. For what? Well, that was the thing. Is there, there's a lot, there was a lot to it. Okay. And they thought this was the way to go. Um. And later, their true colors started coming out because of some of the voicemail messages they were leaving. And he didn't believe me. He thought I was making it up. And I started saving voicemail messages for him so he could actually hear what they were doing. They were oh. really they were really just not on our best behalf. They weren't working on our behalf. So it was just the worst. Um, they weren't in church with you, were they? Yeah, they, they were. They were part of our church. Yeah. That was, that was another really bad part. Like I said, I don't know what their motivations are. And right. Someday they have to answer for them. Right. You know, right. Um, and things, you know, we tried, well, 
I tried to work things out when I came back here. I, I came back three and a half months later. I tried to um, restore the marriage, and, and by that time, he had been around enough people that were just telling him what he wanted, including right. his current wife. Right. And so by that time, there was no, no going back. Did you get to talk to your kids while they were Oh, yeah, we had the separated? phone. Okay. So he didn't keep you from them that way, but he did. Right. I mean, can I use the word kidnapping? Because that feels like kidnapping <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, in Wyoming, because I did call, you know, and ask about that. Right. Um, you, a parent can take their kids wherever they want. The only thing I could have done was filed for divorce, and he would have had to bring them back. But they had already experienced so much trauma. Right. He told them they were just going to go for a visit. They had no idea what was happening. My oldest was 12. Um, so the rest of them were really small. They had no idea what was going on. And this includes Josh, mm-hmm. who wasn't even his. Well, my husband adopted him when he was four. Oh, okay, so he was his. I okay. mean, he's always treated him as his own. Okay, well, that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not that it, that I think my ex-husband's a bad guy. Right. Um, we just m- both made bad decisions. Right. And they weren't in our children's best interest, right. you know. And so, um, you know, here, so I've lived in Ohio always as this single person raising my children. You know, I have four, right. four kids. I've been a single mom and raising four kids. Um, and so my world is just, you just do what's next. Right. You know? And I remember my grandmother, she um, she told me once, because I, I always had a, a connection with her that I couldn't understand. And she said to me, she said, you and me, were survivors. Okay. And I said, that's right. We are. So that's your connection. That's our connection. Yeah. And so, so fast forward, I decided um, I couldn't really support four children on whatever income I was making. So I decided to go back to college Mm -hmm. and I started a program where you could go once a week and I finished my bachelor's degree and then eventually finished my master's degree oh, and wow. I had been in a, a really wonderful job down in Columbus and the reason I got that job was because God put two very special people in my path uh-huh. the first person I just came down there as a temp I didn't even really want to apply for the job but <laughs> something told me I should just try and I didn't care so I did and she hired me as a temp for six weeks while the receptionist was going out of town and she loved me and said you're going to go to the third floor and I'm going to feed you work and you're not going to say anything to anybody until I get you a job. Oh, wow. That's what she said. (laughs) She was a human resources director. So literally found me a spot on the third floor and I worked and I did whatever she put in front of me because she found all kinds of work and made me work. And then she found me a job. And the second person who's really special to me, she, she hired me simply because she was a Marine. And I was a Marine. There's a lot of that in the Marines. Yeah. My, my son's a Marine, and, and they tend to stick together. We stick together. And yeah. so she wanted to know my qualifications. But the sure. fact that she knew that I was a Marine, was a, that was the sealing the deal. Right. And she became actually a very close friend of mine for the many years that I was there. Um, and so I got my bachelor's degree. I got my master's degree. They had a program that was... Helping me to be Uh able to get through school. When I finished my bachelor's degree was when I left there. Because I had never realized that I could do whatever I wanted to do. Right. I was never encouraged to just go do something. Right. And I realized I didn't have to work as an administrative assistant 
my whole life. Right. I did it for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. I could go and do what I wanted. And what I was really good at, remember I told you I loved languages. Well, right. computer software is like a language to me. Okay. And so software... Ah. Was really, yes, (laughs) software was the thing that I could do really well. So I went and started teaching software classes at a computer company. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I did that for a while. Then they changed hands and I ended up losing that job because of the takeover. Right. And then I started, I worked for another guy where I would get on the computer and I would teach tutorials. I would record tutorials. So that was my first like voiceovering. Yeah. Over voiceover voicing over I don't know how you say it. I don't either, voiceover. But I know what you mean. Yeah, it was my first voiceover job because I would record everything that I said and everybody would say you do so good on those. Like we love listening to you and I'm like, "Thanks," you know, just thinking I'm a good teacher. And yeah, and anyway, we were. <laughs> anyway, I went on to get my master's degree. My whole thing was I've always been in marketing. I did mm-hmm. marketing, I did graphic design, I taught graphic design, I taught every off- Microsoft Office product. I did Web design. I taught all these different things. And uh-huh. so I had a lot of experience in all those. Right. And marketing had always been the thing that I did. And so for me, everything revolves around marketing. So I could go into any job and know that I was going to be marketing. Right. And so when I left that computer company, I started my own company where I started doing software. Well, right then, talking about overcoming, <laughs> right then is when the housing market crashed oh. and people were trying to hold on to their businesses. One right. lady said to me, I'm not thinking about training my employees. I'm trying to keep my doors open. Right. Right. And I'm like noted. Okay. So bad time to start a business. <laughs> but just around that time is when social media started coming up. And I happened right. to be on Facebook because I was in college. Remember I just got my master's degree. And that's where it started. And that's where it started. <laughs> I was able to take a fa- have a Facebook account because I had a college address. Right. And so I was on Facebook doing stuff on Facebook before it was public. Okay. Oh, so, okay. So as soon as the social media thing started happening and it, back then when they started those pages, like we have pages for businesses now. Right. When you started them back then, you had to code them just like a web page. So I started a business of where I used to set up businesses. I actually had to train them that social media was a good thing for businesses. Right. And I had to code their pages right. so that they had what they wanted. And they were like little mini web pages. So that was the thing that got me afloat was getting into social media. And I got in like from the beginning. I'll tell you how soon I got into social media. My LinkedIn address is literally linkedin.com forward slash Vertucci. And nobody else has that. <laughs> Everybody else has several names. I yeah. have just my last name. Wow. That's how long I've had my LinkedIn account. Right. So thank God. But, you know, all these were choices that I made. I I was living as a Christian, but I never really gave myself over to God. I right. always had, I had to survive. I had mm-hmm. to do the next thing. I had to keep going. And every time I made a choice to go somewhere, something would fall apart Right. when I decided, right? Well, it just so happens that I was, I, I had worked some other companies and I had been operations director for another company and I finally went back out on my own again and I said, I am just going to do this on my own. And at the same time, when I was finishing my master's degree, I did a, well, it started out as a marketing plan, but it turned into a a plan plan, a business plan, <laughs> business plan for an entrepreneurial center because uh-huh. I really cared about small businesses and I wanted to help people launch their small businesses. Right. 
And so I went to the county and I said, this is what I want to do. And they said, okay, we'll back you. So I got a space and I started this program. And for a year, I worked this program and got it off the ground. Wow. And my goal, <laughs> my goal, remember my, <laughs> my goal, my goal was to go into all the rural areas and start these entrepreneurial centers, incubators to help right. start, start small businesses. I had a whole agricultural plan, you know, for all uh-huh. these ag businesses. Right. I had green. I had all of these. Pl- I had plans, Nita. Do you hear the word? Angie's plans. Angie's plans. <laughs> and one day it was just gone. Oh, wow. It was all that work. gone. Mm-hmm. And it was, again, not following the truth of God to hear the warnings about the people I was associating with. Um, That's the bottom bottom line. Yeah. Is that I I just lived a life for me. I was listening to myself. Mm-hmm. I ended up before I lost that job, I ended up um <laughs> here's a funny backstory that Mark Boyer and I met because he was getting ready to start the station. Uh-huh. Okay. And he and I became friends, and I said, I would love to support you in any way possible. You tell me what you need. Because, of course, I'm a marketing person, and right. he's starting a company, right? Right. And one day, he walked into my office at the Entrepreneurial Center with another guy named Gary. And I'm like, hey, Mark. And he said, hey, this is my friend Gary. He's starting a radio station across the street. So oh. Gary says, what do you want to see on the radio station? And I said, I would like to see a show that helps Businesses know where to find their resources Mm -hmm. to keep them going. Mm -hmm. And he goes, great, you come do it. (laughs) And I said, I don't know the first thing about radio. And he goes, that's no problem, I'll teach you. (laughs) This is where he started. And look at you today. (laughs) And so so I'm listening to this show in the morning, and I hear this guy and this gal that are on there. And every once in a while, I hear Gary, because he was the station manager. And um, he had told me to come over and start this show every Tuesday at nine o'clock where I could help businesses. Right. He, he helped me one day. I didn't have to run the board. I just had to talk one day. And when we were done, he goes, you got this. I'm not helping you anymore. But, but okay. <laughs> now I've seen the boards. <laughs> I didn't have to run the board. Somebody, oh, somebody else, else ran the board for you. Okay. Yeah. All I had to do was talk, talk. Mm-hmm. and I would get guests in and I did it. He never helped me again. Mm-hmm. Never helped me. <laughs> Well, it sounds like it went okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what happened was I'm listening to him in the morning one day, and all of a sudden this girl is gone. And I called Gary, and I said, what's going on with the girl? Like, it sounds just dull with just two guys talking. And he goes, come in and talk to me. And I went in and talked to him, and he goes, you should come and be the second. Do you know what a second is? A second is somebody who responds to the lead. Okay. So the okay. other guy was the lead and he led the morning show. Uh-huh. And I just had to according according to Gary, just had to laugh at whatever he said uh-huh. and, you know, pal around. I could do that, right? <laughs> right. No problem. <laughs> so, he said you come in and do it and you can do it from 6 to 9 and then you can walk across the street and you can finish your work. Right. Two jobs. And I said, "Hmm, that's really intriguing. I might just do that." Mhm. My kids are more independent, and I could actually do that. So I did. And I had a blast. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And we had so much fun. But then one day, my co-host um, hit the end of himself and had oh. a and just had a bad, bad day. He had to go home, mm-hmm. and then I never saw him again. Mm-hmm. And when the decision was made that he wasn't coming back, um, Gary said, you need, to, you need to keep going. 
And I'm like, I have no idea how to run that board. He goes, I got you. So in one week, Gary taught me how to run the board and do the morning show. That was so stressful. That was the most stressful thing ever. I'm sure. (laughs) Especially since he was yelling at me, push the buttons. Like while you're on the air? Um, not just, he was motioning to me, you know, to do it quickly. Anyway, Mm -mm. I, so I did that. (laughs) That is stressful. After, after three days, I said, you need to be quiet. (laughs) I can't handle this anymore. (laughs) You just sit there. I got this. And so that was it. I I did it from then on, um, by myself. Uh I did have co-hosts that would come in and just do fun stuff with me. But, you know, I continued to talk with Mark Boyer, who's Mm -hmm. the manager of Shine FM, and I did continue to have this conversation, and he would keep encouraging me. He kept saying, keep learning from Gary. Maybe someday you can come work for Shine FM. And I would go up there, and I would record some spots for him. Uh-huh. So my voice was on Shine FM right. from the beginning, but not me. Right. <laughs> anyway, Mark kept asking me about you know, what I was planning on doing next, and I said, I know, because I was, at this point, I was at the end of me, because mm-hmm. after I lost that other job with the entrepreneurial center that hit me so hard mm-hmm. i i literally chose the cubicle behind the door to hide mm-hmm. in the dark because i was just done and from there i started really seeking god and i finally just said i obviously screw this up all the time you have to tell me what's next mm-hmm. and i knew i was supposed to stay at the station but there was one day when i knew that i had been released Mm-hmm. And I called Mark and I said, I'm finally released. And he goes, I just hired somebody. Oh. So, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, that one's gone. Yeah. But he did want me to come up and help him. And I did like part-time stuff and things uh-huh. like that. And one day he just said, I just need to hire you. So I did. I yeah. started working there. Now, let me just give you a funny aside that when I left the radio station, In it, it was a bad experience. And I was done with radio. Because to me, that was just a fluke that I was on the radio. It really was a fluke. I had no training. I just ended up there. I was in the right place at the right time. Blah, 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 blah. So I had no desire to go on the radio. I I had a master's degree. And I knew marketing really, really well. (laughs) And so I had some incredible interviews. No job offers. But I had incredible interviews. Normally, I came in second. And I could not figure out what was holding me back. Mm -hmm. And I told God, I said, I will go wherever you want me to go. Just show me where I'm supposed to go. But I will not go back to radio. (laughs) (laughs) This was the conversation I had with God. And so, I was at the place where I finally... Oh, yeah, you had said to God. Uh, Yeah. You know that when we say things like that, that usually... (laughs) solidifies it right uh, it usually yeah. solidifies it i think that makes him laugh <laughs> yeah so i went i went to shine fm and i said to mark when he asked if i would work full-time i said marketing is what i'm very good at i do not want to be on the air and he said deal and that was my job was marketing promotions i was trying to help him build the station and get the word out etc he loved it we were great six weeks in <laughs> things changed and he came to me and said I'm in kind of a bind, and I need you to take over the morning show. And I went, you're kidding me. Like, literally, I said that. You're kidding me. And I said, 
I'll give you three months. You have to find somebody else. Because remember, it was really, it was really painful for me at the last place. Right. Well, <laughs> I started that job six weeks in with, to working with Mark. And in a week, maybe two, I realized that's where God wanted me. Right. Because everything felt so right. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in my life I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. And two weeks in, Mark looked at me. He goes, are you staying in this position? <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah. This is where I'm staying. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. He's like, all right. And that was almost seven years ago. Oh. And I'm still there. Yep. yep. And he hasn't fired me yet. Yep. <laughs> but one thing that's changed since you started there is you're now a pastor. Yeah, and that was that was different too. I never really planned on that. The only other thing in my life that I kind of totally gave up to God, but he's he's shown me that that's where he wanted me because you know, it was that scripture that says um it's Proverbs where he says you you turn everything over to him and he gives you the desires of your heart. Right. And I said, I don't want my desires anymore. Show me what your desires for me are. Uh-huh. And that's when things changed. Right. And so I started doing the morning show. And I used to go out and do singing. And I would do standards. Mm-hmm. Ellis, Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, right. these big songs I loved to do. And I would do that. And then one day I decided I was going to try out for The Voice. I went down to Atlanta. And as soon as I got to Atlanta, I lost my voice. Oh, my God. I, I could talk, but I could not sing. Yeah. And it was the weirdest thing. But I sat there in that whole thing. I went through the whole thing because I was there to do it. Mm -hmm. And I learned this was not what I wanted. And I left there going, I know you want me to sing for you. So I gave up all that stuff and I only sang Christian music from there. And I said to people who'd hired me before and they hired me again. And I said, listen, I got to tell you, I'm not doing that music anymore. I'm only singing Christian Christian music now and they were like that's fine right and (laughs) so I started doing that and I had always wanted to be a worship leader and I'd hold I'd had pastors that told me you can't do that you're a single woman and I was like what but music is like my soul right Right. well what happened was I started uh, again after all of this stuff had happened I basically hid from God but by the time things started to change, it was about seven years later, I, I had a boss. <laughs> he didn't last very long. <laughs> but I had a boss at that first radio station that turned out to be one of my best friends. He's uh-huh. still one of my best friends. He's, he works with our station very ca- closely because he's our main production guy now. Mm-hmm. But he was my boss back then. Uh-huh. And I said, I want to sing for the Lord. What do I need to do? And he said, you need to come up to my church and you need to sing with my pastor because the pastor was an indie artist. And I went up there one night and practiced and he looked at me and said, come Sunday. (laughs) And so I came Sunday and we sang. And then from there, between the two of them, they helped me develop who I was as a singer Uh and as a worship leader. And then one of the guys that was there is a guitar player and he started teaching me how to play guitar. Yeah. And... Then as soon as I started learning to play guitar, October 3rd, when I bought my guitar, November 7th, I was leading worship. With your guitar? With my guitar. It wasn't that good. (laughs) 
It wasn't that good, but I'm I was sure leading worship with a guitar. I'm sure your beautiful voice helped <laughs> with that. That's no, because so you came to my church, so you know I'm like totally in a different spot, right? Yeah. I'm still not that great of a guitar player, but that's beside the point. Well, within months, I got hired at that church as a worship leader. And when my pastor called me, she and I had been working together, and she said, we've known for nine months that you're supposed to be our worship leader. We were just waiting for God to move. I'm like, I just learned to play guitar. She goes, it'll be okay. (laughs) I was like, okay. So that's the only other time when I realized that when you give it all over to God, he shows you what he wants. And so between that and being where I am on the radio, those are the things that God wanted me. That's my place where I'm supposed to be. Uh And it may not always be radio, right? but he has shown me over the years that I need to be his messenger, his mouthpiece, and his herald. And those are the three words he gave me. And then, again, the same pastor decided that I should be a pastor. And I said, I I don't need to be a pastor. But I did realize that I was in a Foursquare church and I knew nothing about Foursquare. So I wanted to complete the pastoral program so I could understand about the church. Right. I was their worship leader. I needed to know something about Foursquare. Right. And then I realized I really connected with the way that Foursquare does things. And so yeah, I just pursued it. And this coming Saturday, it'll be one year that I've been a I pastor. No, I can't believe it's been a year. What a year to be a pastor. I, wow. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. And, and you know, I, I've done things that I, I never thought I would do. Um, you know, ministering to women is really close to my heart, which is what you and I have talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I never thought I could do that. But I had a women's group, and God just blessed it. And I still have a women's group. It's different now than it was back then, but I still have a women's group that meets at my house, and we, and we just well, I guess I, I shouldn't say women's group because I do have guys that come too. <laughs> but we have a fellowship, you right. know. And I guess I, I just at this point I'm just willing to do whatever. But I look back and I go, all those times I chose for me, mm-hmm. then I had to overcome something instead of just getting in the groove with God, and. One of the things that I had to do was I had to start reading my Bible. Right. Because I didn't know what the truth was. Right. I wasn't raised with the truth. I wasn't living the truth. And until I started reading it, I didn't know what the truth was. Right. I still had self-esteem issues. I still had issues with all of the stuff I went through. I mean, we haven't even talked about my second marriage, which was incredibly abusive. These were all things that I had to overcome but I did it with the word of God. Right. And it was just something that, you know, it's, it says that in John 1, 1, that the word was God and he was with God and he is the word. Right. And so being in the word, I fellowship with him mm-hmm. and he just started speaking to me. Right. And so now I know truth. Well, I guess I, I'm hoping. <laughs> You think you keep learning. You do keep learning. I do think that we keep learning, but I also think that when you open the Bible with the open heart and open mind that you have, that God takes you where you need to be and shows you the truth. And I I do believe. Not that we can't all make mistakes in that, because we're human, but I think overall, when we open our hearts to that, that he blesses it. So my question is, do we have to overcome because of our choices? See, in all of my experiences... A lot of the times that were, there was a choice that led me to that place. And so when I look at my life, 
I realized I could have avoided all that if I had just followed God's choices for my life. Yeah. I, I think that's true of, of a lot of us, that that we our trauma comes from choices we make. I would say that mine does. But I also look at families who have children that get cancer or something like that. And I yeah, don't of course. That's their that's, choice. No, no, and no. And that's a whole different thing. But, but I, I mean, I but not being close enough to God to understand people's motives that ended up hurting me. Like the ex-husband who... Right. The first husband was not abusive. The second husband was horrible. Yeah. But honestly, if I had been in the Word back then, mm-hmm. I would have seen the signs, I think. Yeah. I, I, maybe I would have had more understanding because I trusted that he was a Christian mm-hmm. by his word. Right. I didn't look for fruit. Right. So. Oh, yeah. But we don't, I mean, we're human, and sometimes emotions come into play, and we yeah. hear what we want to hear. Yeah, that's true. You know, regardless of So again, of back our, to my choices. <laughs> and, and I think that's true, and that's one, of, that's one of the things I think we can all relate to that. And so mm-hmm. when people hear this, they're going to relate to, oh, yeah, I this choice, and I had to overcome this because of it. It's not all of them. Yeah. Obviously, there's no. evil people in the world, that, and there's evil things that happen. We live in an evil world. Yes. So those are not our choice. But... Being in the Word helps us to be aware of what's going on around us. Right. And and truth does, we do walk in truth when we're in the Word and mm-hmm. we're, we're having that relationship. And I just look back now, Nita, and I can't believe how far I've come. Right. And, and working with others, and I'm going, do I have anything to say to these people? Do I have anything to say on the air that's going to inspire anybody? That's you know, my thing. I think that... Um, I think it's funny that you would say that because I see you and I see this one who is so so faithfully in the word and so faithful to the truth that God gives her that you are an inspiration to me. So I think you have come that far and I do think that you have something to offer on the, in the morning show and other places as well. I mean, you have women that come to your house and, and they come to dive into the word with you. And God has blessed you through your time in the Bible to be able to do that. Yeah, and actually going through the whole pastor thing really helped too because I had to be able to say what I believed. Right. But it was really encouraging for me. I had to go first to meet with a board to talk about why I had gotten divorced. Right. Then I had to study my program and I had to work with my pastor and do all that I had to do for my licensing then I had to go back to that board and the guy that was in charge of the board who was our area pastor he said to me the difference in where you were and where you are now we can all see it and I was like really because I didn't feel it (laughs) I couldn't tell but he actually could see it and I was really encouraged by that you know, sometimes we just don't see where we're at. Because it's a slow process yes. on your end. Yes. And when they haven't seen you for a year or two years or however long that took, it does make a difference. So, wow. That's awesome. So, did I overcome enough? I have, I've got all kinds of stories. <laughs> <laughs> just trust for me. today. <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot. I mean, it's not even about, it's not about the overcoming. It's not about me overcoming. It's about the faithfulness of God. Right. Ever since I was a child, I knew he existed. I didn't understand what our relationship was supposed to look like. But I knew he was there. And right. I knew what I heard about him. Mm-hmm. And I would say, 
okay, you're supposed to be the God, so you're supposed to do this. <laughs> right, right, right. And we have so many misconceptions, and this is a topic for another day, but I think in our westernized culture, we have watered down the Bible and picked and chosen what works to give us the life we want and still feel like we have that and we can see it in the world that we live in today. Yeah, we can see sure. what's going on. So, um, and you don't do that at all. So, okay. so did I answer all your questions about you overcoming? You did. You did. And I think it's fascinating to see. I mean, you had so much. It was like you'd overcome one thing and you'd there'd be another. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I am pretty old. It took many years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm older than you. But I think what touched me the most was, and I can't even imagine, and you were new in your faith walk at this point, it is when your children were taken from you. Yeah, that that was that the is, darkest time of my life. I cannot even wrap my head around that. And you were new in your faith. Yeah. So. Well, I was, I was about 10 years in, 10 years into my faith. I'm still pretty new, like at 10 years. Yeah, yeah. But this is what it did for me. I lived out in the country in Wyoming. Do you know what the country in Wyoming looks like? It's pretty bare. Yeah. (laughs) So I lived out in the country with no one around me. The people that were in my church had turned against me, so I didn't even have my church. Right. Okay? But what I had was a lot of time with God. Right. And he healed me in so many ways because I could see all the things that I had done wrong and I brought those to God and said, why did I do these things? Mm. And he showed me and he healed me. So three and a half months of just diving into who God was mm-hmm. and and just starting there. And he that, blessed you by showing you. I it love that. jump-started my faith. I'd been 10 years in, but I'd never understood it. Right, right. I know. Still hard, though. <laughs> but I mean, it, I, get I, it. I still lived many years beyond that. And I still, I think I've learned it all in the last maybe eight years. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I have been a Christian since, I mean, I don't ever remember a time that I didn't go to church and that I wasn't a Christian, so to speak, but um, it's only been in the last 15, 20 years, maybe. And even when I thought, you know, when I was in my 20s and I thought I was that great Christian. We have arrived. Yeah. And we haven't. I was sure that I had. My, um, as, oh, I cringe when I look back at that yeah. time, the self-righteousness and the, what I knew. I knew it all. The more I learn, the more I realize there's <laughs> so much more to learn. That is so true. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think the great thing is he meets us where we are and takes us where we need to be if we let him. And you've done that beautifully, and you've overcome some amazing things. I know we didn't talk about all of them. But I'm an open book. Well, yeah. I mean, me, me. there may be a few chapters that are pinned together. Yeah. And that's okay. And in certain circles. They... You and God have worked through that. That's, a, that's the only person you have to explain it to. You know, I don't believe in airing everything, all the dirty laundry. Right. You know, but I know that our testimonies are given to us for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a time when somebody needs to hear, right. then I'm okay with saying it. Right. Um, you know, it was just a few years ago that I decided to share about my domestic violence, mm-hmm. which I had never talked about since it was over. Uh-huh. And I was able to minister to many mm-hmm. people after that. So I know that I was supposed to talk about it finally. Right. And then it, it healed others, or right. at least it gave them encouragement. Yeah. I, I, have, I love how God uses us in that way. And I 
was blessed to hear uh, Lisa Tierker speak at a writing workshop, and she talked about one of her first, the, one of the first times she went out and was giving a public presentation, and she was driving all these miles, and she knew when she got there she wasn't going to get paid. They were going to hand her a beautiful potted plant, and she had her whole presentation planned, and it was make them laugh, make them cry, and throw in the word. That was her, that was her, what she used, her strategy for when she presented and on the way there, it was like a three-hour drive. On the way there, God said, you need to tell your abortion story. Oh! And she argued the whole way there. <laughs> I always she, argue with God. You know you can't win. She talked about it. just he and her in the car. And she argued the whole way there. She said, do you know what women in the church do to and say to women who have had abortions? And she went and gave her abortion story, and she never looked up. She, she had no notes. She wasn't expecting it, so she just looked down at the pulpit, and when she got to the end, she looked up. There were only six women there. All of them were sobbing. Every one of the women in that room had an abortion and had never spoken of it. Oh, my gosh. And it was a time of cleansing for all seven of them. Wow. She thought she had had her time of cleansing and forgiveness, and she had, but this even added to it. And those women who carried that shame and that guilt for many, many years because they weren't young women were released from that because she was brave and obeyed and over and over and over today I heard you say you obeyed you obeyed you changed careers you did things you never thought you would do you obeyed and God has blessed you every time that you do and I think that's something we all need to hear that even when I was not so faithful he was always faithful right when we look back it's always that way Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Thank you, Angie, for coming and talking with me today. I appreciate it. Next week, we are going to have Heidi Reeser. Heidi and I are going to talk about our moms and the legacy they gave us for Christmas. So I'm excited to do that with her, and that will air the Monday of Christmas week. So thank you all for listening. This is In the Whisper.